Amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Nice to see you all here this morning. Um, there's something not quite right with my back today. So if I suddenly disappear, I haven't been raptured. I'm probably just lying down. Um, but I'll keep talking. Uh, so awesome to see all these people added to the church this morning. Um, 21, I counted, um, if my counting is correct. And I have also noticed recently we've been adding people to the church a different way. There's been so many babies have been born. Uh, I don't know the number, 8 or 9 or 15, 20, I don't know. It just seems like there's babies everywhere. And, um, and it got me thinking, how important is it as a parent to get your name to get the name right of your kid, isn't it? It's, it's quite a big deal. You've got, to, you've got to think about it and hopefully pray about it and pick the right name because you don't want something like that rhymes with a, a rude word or something because they'll get teased at school and, and you've got to give that consideration. Uh, I have an unusual name. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Johan and my last name's Seriki, spelt an unusual way. And so um, all my life I've... I've uh, you know, had to spell my name out. Whenever I've told anyone my name, my email address takes forever to tell people. It's um, a challenge. But um, I just, just for some advice for you guys who are new parents or are going to become parents, I thought we'd have a look at a few names that maybe you want to have a think about not using. So um, we'll get the first name up there. Uh, that's Jed. Jed the first, last name Knight. So his name's Jedi Knight. So um, have a think about it if you're, uh, if you're that good little guy. Crystal Ball. There you go. Her parents didn't, didn't think about that one. Didn't think about them through. Crispy Bacon. <laughs> Crispy Bacon. Lovely. Oh, this guy. He, he got a job at Apple and his name's Samsung. How good is that? Good on him. Uh, this is unfortunate. Hitler Mussolini. So if your last name's Mussolini, don't call your kid Hitler. Uh, now, this is Lydia Grimm, and she's marrying James Rather, and it's the Rather Grimm wedding. Uh, that's unfortunate. The, um, or the Hardy Ha wedding. Uh, yes. Or the McDonald Burger wedding. Uh, and, uh, but my favourite is Christian Guy. How cool is that? You can call your kid Christian Guy. That's a good one. You know, names are important to God. He cares about the names that he gives us and the names that he calls himself. Uh, Did you know that in the Bible, there is more than a hundred names for God? And every single one of them is an aspect of his nature or character. It's who he is. He labels himself and defines himself. Do you want to hear a few of them? Okay, if you're taking notes, get ready. Advocate, Almighty, Alpha, Angel of the Lord, Anointed One, Apostle, Author and Perfecter of our faith, Beginning, Bishop of Souls, Branch, Bread of Life, Bridegroom, Chief Shepherd, the Christ, Comforter, Consolation of Israel, Cornerstone, Dayspring, Daystar, Deliverer, Desire of Nations, Emmanuel, Everlasting Father, Faithful and True Witness, Foundation, Fountain, Friend of Sinners, Gate for the Sheep, God, Good Shepherd, Governor, Guide, Head of the Church, High Priest, Holy One of Israel, Horn of Salvation, I Am, Jehovah, Jesus, King of Israel, King of Kings, Lamb of God, Last Adam, Life, Light of the World, Lion of the Tribe of Judah, Lord of Lords, Master, Mediator, Messiah, Mighty God, Morning Star, Nazarene, Omega, Passover Lamb, Physician, Priest, Prince of Peace, Prophet, 
purifier, rabbi, ransom, redeemer, refiner, refuge, resurrection, righteousness, rock, root of David, rose of Sharon, ruler of God's creation, sacrifice, saviour, servant, shepherd, Shiloh, stone, son of righteousness, teacher, truth, way, wonderful counsellor, word and vine. Every single one of those has a reference in the, in the Bible. And there's more, I, I thought... Yeah, that's no problem, Russ. And if you want to know where you can find them in the Bible, ask Russ after the uh, service. He's jotted them all down. Uh, but no, seriously, I've actually got the references for them all, if you want to know that. See, Christy, she's got my notes. Uh, we've been talking lately, we've been doing a series on seeing the supernatural released. Um, we believe and we're excited to understand that God is wanting to increase um, his supernatural in his church in this season and we get to be part of that and it's pretty exciting and so we're talking a bit about that lately we've been running through a series of um what are some strongholds or things which are stopping the the flow of the supernatural or hindering it in his church and today we're going to talk about labels and curses what is a a curse Uh, in the context of what i'm going to talk about today I'm defining a curse in simple terms. It's the opposite of a blessing. Now, when I speak a blessing over someone, there's a power that is part of that blessing. It's not just nice words. There's actually, um, I can expect something to take effect when I speak a blessing over someone. Not because I've said it, but because I believe in a God who wants to bless that person, a God who is good. And so that there is a power behind what I say. But there's also a power behind what you say when you put a curse or or speak the opposite of a blessing. It has the inherent power of carrying itself into effect. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have a responsibility to steward the power of our tongue because we can speak blessing, but we can also speak curses. So when we incorrectly label someone, when we give them a label that's not actually who God says that they are, what happens is that we start to partner with an enemy who's trying to um, dissuade them or distract them or um, affect them in their life. And we start to speak a false truth into them. And the same thing happens if someone speaks it over you and, and um, you know, I'm sure it's all happened to us. Someone has said something to us or, uh, you know, said, oh, you're, you're stupid or you'll never amount to anything. And, and there's these words that can sit upon us. And let me tell you, the word has no power in itself. But when you start to believe it, then you start to come into alignment with it. And then it starts to be a stronghold in your life and actually restrict you from going to where God has you to go. Um, Johnny, why don't you stand up here for me, please? Now, <clears throat> when were you born? Sorry, Johnny. I was born in 99 on the 1st of September. Oh, 99. Okay, he sort of doesn't quite scrape in, but we're going to, for the sake of this illustration, we're going to say that he's a millennial. All right. <laughs> now, when I say, when I call someone a millennial, and, and you, see, you see those people and they, they go, oh, they roll their eyes, millennials. And what are they saying? They're saying that, that they have a short attention span, that uh, the no commitment, 
can't commit to anything. They require instant gratification. I need to see results now. He gets a certificate just for coming to church today. Well done. Get an award. And he's entitled. Doesn't have to work for something. He's just entitled to it. That's what we think, isn't it? That's the, uh, that's the image we, we make when we, we, we roll our millennials, oh, millennials again. But is that who Johnny is? No, that's not who he is. That's not, God who, that's not who God's made him. We know that Johnny's not, well, we're all some of those things. Let's be honest. We're all some of those things. But, but it's not our job to then call those things out of people and highlight the negative in people. It's our job to call out what's, what's of Christ in, in people and what's God, what God has put there. So you can sit down. Thanks, Johnny. David, would you like to come down, please? Yes? I, um, I, don't, I don't want to offend you, but I had to find someone with grey hair. And, uh, and Russ has already had a turn this morning of being up here. So, <laughs> so David's a boomer. And that's someone who's born after World War, um, I don't know, one of them. First, First World War. That's, that was you. Right. Definitely after. <laughs> and you know what? It, this goes the other way. So all the young people are like, oh, okay, boomer. It's like boomers, because their, their opinion of them is that they're conservative. Shirt's tucked in, doesn't have his tie on, but conservative. <laughs> they're out of touch with what's going on in today's society. They're controlling too much of the planet's wealth. They're responsible for the housing crisis. They're responsible for the environment being a mess. In fact, they've stuffed the planet up and now we have to live with it, boomers. But that's not who David is, is it? And the truth is we're all some of those things, but the actual truth is we like to highlight what God's put inside people. Thanks, David, you can sit down. And, and so when we label people, when we put labels on people, it's actually we're speaking curses over them and saying, this is who you are, instead of looking deep inside people and saying, who has God made you to be? Who's the real you? You know, in, um, I've just been in New Zealand. Luckily, I went last week because I wouldn't get in now. Uh, and there, in, in Māori, there's a saying, tenakwe, and it kind of, it's, it's a greeting, and it means I see you. Like, I see you. I see who you are. I acknowledge you as you. So what's this got to do with more of the supernatural being, being um, flowing through the church and God doing his stuff. Let me start at the very beginning. And Adam, Adam and Eve were given, uh, they were created by God, put in the garden, and God said, I want you to have dominion over the earth. You're in charge. And he was going to partner with them and they get to make decisions and rule the earth. Now what happened? So that the enemy came along, the devil came along and lied to Eve. And he said, oh, surely God didn't say if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, long name for a tree, uh, that you'll surely die. He didn't say that. You'll be right. Now, there was no power in the lie, but she came into alignment with it. She believed it as truth, and then it had power. And the devil got dominion over the planet. Good news, Jesus came. Whoop, whoop. 
Yep, you can be happy, that's right. Uh, and he took the authority back. He took back the keys to the kingdom. Now Jesus is in charge again. Yes, amen. Guess what? We're heirs, co-heirs with Christ. We're seated with him in heavenly places. We also get to exercise dominion once again with Jesus in partnership. How exciting is this? The enemy can't get back dominion. It's one. It's ours. He can't take it back. But he can try and trick you into not exercising it. What's the weapon that he uses? It's the same weapon that he used back in Genesis 1. He is lying to you. And that lie has power once you believe it and align yourself with it. You see, the devil's not trying to win souls. He's not trying to get people to stop being a Christian. He's not trying to get people out of the church. The church is advancing on his gates. He is trying to slow it down. And so what he's trying to do is disempower us. Make us not realise that we're actually on the offensive. Make us not realise what the Holy Spirit's on us and he's calling us to advance his kingdom against the enemy's kingdom. He's desperately trying to stop an advancing kingdom. Uh, Matthew 16, 18, it says, And I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, the rock is the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. And we see the, king, the kingdom advancing, the church advancing. The enemy can't stop us. Let's have a look at First Peter, um, chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant. Those words sober also mean uh, be self-controlled, be vigilant or watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's interesting because he's not walking around like a biting lion or a scratching lion. He's roaring. He's trying to devour people by what's coming out of his mouth, by what he's saying. What's roaring at us in today's society? We're being bombarded every time we step out these doors, every time we... we turn on the telly or look at anything on a, on a screen or a device or surrounded by people, we're being bombarded by a message, including things like, your appearance is more important than your character. What's so on the outside is more important than who you really are. Make sure that your, your facade is, is clean and tidy. We're told that the love of money is good, Chase after that stuff. He who dies with the most toys wins. What else are we told? That unborn life has no value. That's one of society's messages. The devil's roaring loud. We're told that whatever you feel is true. And we're seeing now that societies are putting rules and laws in place that you can't even challenge what is truth. We're told that we're unseen, that we're insignificant unless you're a celebrity or some sort of influencer. You're not worth anything. Even that name, influencer, an Instagram influencer, they're trying to influence society, they're trying to influence culture. 
The devil's not even being subtle anymore. And we're told that we don't measure up to society's idea of perfection. You're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough. But you know, the real, we can, we can identify these things and we can hear these things and it doesn't sit right with us because we have the Spirit of God in us. But real lies and real curses and real damage comes when people close to us and people who are there to protect us, who maybe need, should know better or maybe um, do it by accident or whatever the case may be, they'll speak something into your life that's not from God and you come into alignment with it and it becomes a stronghold in your life. It becomes truth for you, even though it's not God's truth for you. Let's have a look at a story uh, in Daniel 3. Sorry, it's not up there. No, that's fine. Um, yep. So this is the story of <clears throat> Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Does anyone know who they are? Yes, oh yes, yeah. clever people out there. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they're popular names. They're the names that they got changed to. So th- th- there's these guys who are princes or sons of influential families in um, Jerusalem and uh, Israel. And so they get taken by King Nebuchadnezzar when he invades, taken back to Babylon. And um, King Nebuchadnezzar says, yeah, I want some of those um, rich kids in, as part of my entourage or whatever they were and so he takes them into his um what's that name for that court his gang and uh, and he renames them he gives them new names that reflect the society that he'd placed them in now um Hananiah's name was God is gracious that's what his name meant and it got changed to Shadrach which meant under the command of Aku which is the moon god Mishael, his name was, who is like our God? Awesome name. He got changed to Meshach. Who is as good as Aku is? Azariah, his name is, God has helped. And it got changed to Abednego, slave of the god Nebo. So as the story continues, King Nebuchadnezzar makes this idol and he, and he says, when the um, musicians play, everyone must bow down to this idol that I've created. And these three young men, they refused to bow down and so they got called before Nebuchadnezzar and, and Nebuchadnezzar said, why aren't you bowing down? And they said, you know what? The real question is, whose truth is greater? Your truth or God's truth? And that day, two truths collided. They came into conflict, and God's truth won. What had been spoken over their life had no power because God's truth was greater. So how do do we resist what's being spoken over us and what's been um, said to us over the years and what's going on in society now? In 1 Peter, uh, we'll go back to that passage we were reading um, Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Steadfast in the faith. How do we do that? Well, in Romans ten seventeen, it says, faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing who? Faith comes by hearing God. How do we hear God? 
by the word of God. We can read all about who God says we are, all about who he says we are, all about the promises he's given us, all about the identity that we now have in Christ. It's all in here. Because we don't resist the devil by sticking our fingers in our ears, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you, la, 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 walking through life, trying to avoid having anything negative spoken over us. We resist the devil through faith by saying, God, what do you, who do you say that I am? What's your name for me? Oh, and reading it in the Word and saying, oh, this is amazing. This is God, who God says that I am. And none of that stuff can stick that the enemy's trying to throw at you because God is in, the, in that place. Let's just quickly look at um, Genesis chapter 17. Uh, this is the story of Abram becoming Abraham. And uh, <clears throat> this is how it goes. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And um, the same thing happens with his wife, uh, Sarai, in um, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall now not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples shall be from her. So Abram, which meant exalted father, became Abraham, father of a multitude. And Sarai, which means princess in the context of her family, became Sarah which means princess in the context of nations. Now, what's quite interesting is that for God to change their name, he added a letter to each of them, the same letter. They both got the same letter. It's the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's ha, which is wind, breath, spirit. You see, as God speaks into us and he speaks over us, something of his spirit is deposited in us and we're transformed more and more into his likeness. That's beautiful. And you see, what we see here with, with Abraham and Sarah is that as he established their identity, he starts to lead them into their calling. But identity came first. Who does God say that we are? Uh, he says that we're saints in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. I'll just go through a few, three things which I want to show you that he calls us. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's us. We are saints. He, um, he calls us sons and daughters in Romans 8, 15. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that, way, that we may also be glorified together. And he also calls us friends. In John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. 
Uh, I was a youth pastor um, some years ago now, um, when I was youthy, and <laughs> and uh, I lived up in Broome, and um, I was part of a church up there, and I became the youth pastor for whatever reason. And you know what? The 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 most overwhelmingly asked question of young people who came to see me was, "Oh, I just don't know what God wants to." do with my life? Like, how do I know? Should I go to Bible college or should I go, nah, nah, nah. what does God want to do with my life? And so what happens is this, this eternal question that young people ask, and we create these um, like youth rallies and, and conferences and events, and they all have some sort of flavor of God has an awesome plan for your life coming from the front. And, and it's true, he does have an awesome plan for our lives. But it results in a generation chasing after calling and neglecting to know who they are. It results in, in, in a generation not knowing who God is asking them to be, but instead, what does he want me to do? What does he want me to do? And it leads to a wrong mindset. You see, when you don't understand sainthood, you rely on others for spiritual growth. Ah, Russell, Russell will be in charge of my spiritual growth. He'll do all the good preaching and I'll just sit here and receive. But no, we're all saints. We're all responsible for our own spiritual growth. Because we don't come to church to receive. Uh, what's that saying? I heard it the other day and it was... Uh, the difference between people coming to church to be filled and filled people coming to church. When you don't understand sonship, then performance equals acceptance. Oh, I've got to do stuff so God likes me and so I sort of stay on his good side and I've got to sort of, to be accepted in his family, I've got to keep doing things and, and getting, getting it right. And when you don't understand friendship, you serve out of duty or fear of reprimand. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get booted by, by God, the angry father who's, who's chasing after me and I've got to make sure I do the right thing and, and get everything done. You see, when we don't understand who God's calling us to be, we, we're living with a stronghold. We're living with restrictions. We're not actually living in the fullness that he has designed us to live in. And when we understand our identity, it then leads to Purpose. Our eyes become more open to what Jesus is doing. We become more aware of the world around us. We start to see Jesus move through us more and more and we see the supernatural explode. Not because we, we do it out of duty, but because we know who God is. We know who he is calling us to be and who he says that we are. And we look at people and we see them the way God sees them. I'll just, I'll finish with this. Um, the prodigal son story, I love this story. Um, we're probably all familiar with it. If you're not, I'll, I'll give you the um, Reader's Digest version. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 15, and uh, we'll just start with verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them. He divided to them his livelihood. Now, it's, it's interesting, he divided it to both sons. Both sons got the inheritance. Now, the younger son took what is his inheritance and he went to town and he um, spent it on parties and wild living, ran out of money. 
there was a, uh, a famine in town. He had nothing to eat. And he thought, oh, well, I'd rather go back and work for my dad um, than be here. So he goes back home. The father's overjoyed to see him. And that's the beautiful part of the story. The father runs and says, no, come and restores him. And that's awesome. But you know what's always struck me as kind of poignant about the story is the older brother. And he's always stood out for me. And, and, and the older brother is not happy about the, this, all this stuff that happened to the younger brother. And, and he gets upset. And in verse 28, we pick up the story. And he says, he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Might I suggest that the older brother never understood who he was, never understood his position. He never understood that he had already received his inheritance. Let's not be that older brother. Would you close your eyes with me? Uh, not because it's more spiritual, but it just helps us being distracted. Thank you, Jesus, that you, Dad, you have done it all. You paid the, the full price for us. In Proverbs 26, 2, it says, Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. And in Galatians 3, 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Thank you, Jesus, that whatever has been spoken over me in my life, every single person in this room, whatever has been spoken over them that is not from you, that has been a curse on their life, that has been a stronghold that has been established in their life as they've come into alignment with a false truth, has no power in Jesus' name. The the curse is now without cause because you became the curse. And I just want you to take some moments just now. Uh, We might finish with a song in a minute, but um, I just want you to take a moment, ask the Holy Spirit to show you those things that you're believing that you have come into alignment with that might have been spoken over you. Maybe it's just become something you've picked up along the journey, but it's not from God. Ask Him to show you what they are and then give them to Jesus. They're not yours to carry anymore. A curse without a cause shall not alight. Christ has become the curse for us and He will bear it.